0: At Vanguard, we know that this is more than just a retirement plan. This is your cappuccino date in Italy, the beach house with the matching bicycles, it's your rental car down memory lane, and weekends reuniting with friends from over the years. This is the future you imagined, and we're here to help you build it. Because at Vanguard, you're more than just an investor, you're an owner. Discover the value of ownership at Vanguard.com. Fund shareholders own the funds that own Vanguard. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. What's up guys, welcome to this podcast, my name is Salman Ali, at Saul Ali NBA on Twitter. No guest today actually, I wanted to do this podcast by myself because I have a lot of thoughts on what Houston did last night at the draft, but first let's back up because there was a lot of scuttlebutt before the draft that um, USC center Evan Mobley did not want to work out for the Rockets and um, neither did Jalen Suggs, but mainly it was Mobley and it came out this morning that Mobley actually didn't work out for even the Cavs, so he only worked out for the Pistons at number one, and that's just, that's just strange to me. Like It's very strange that he would box himself in like that. I think his camp obviously knew that he was probably going to go number three. Everybody knew that he was going to go number three. The top three was kind of set in stone for a while, and... I don't really know what to make of him just openly denying workouts to the top three teams. Like, on one hand, it does show confidence that he believes he's that good. But on the other hand, like, he was never rumored to go number one. I mean, kind of. Like, the Pistons liked Devin Mobley, but they they liked Jalen Green more. And they liked Cade Cunningham, obviously, much more. So... My question is like, why would you? Why would you limit yourself like that? Uh, it opens yourself up to the possibility of falling. I, I think obviously he wasn't going to fall, but that possibility obviously exists. And it almost feels like like you're being like a sore loser, you know? Like you know you're gonna go third, and you're kind of throwing a fit about it by not working out for these other two teams. And I'm not sure how to feel about that. I. I you know, my gut instinct is that it's it's not the best look and it's not the best way to handle a situation like that. And, you know, I got asked about this on Twitter and I was just like, yeah, listen, like if, if the Rockets believe Evan Mobley is the best prospect, they should select him independent of him not working out for them. Right. Like that's what the best front offices do. They they draft the best player available. It doesn't matter if they don't if they don't work out for them. You know, the biggest mistakes In NBA draft history have have happened a lot of times because a a player refused to work out for another team or threatened to not play for another team and those threats are usually empty you know Kobe did this in his draft in 96 stonewalled a bunch of teams because he wanted to get to LA Giannis stonewalled a bunch of teams because he wanted to get to Atlanta and you go on down the line there's just team players do this all the time uh, Steph wanted to go to New York. It, it, it just, you can't take the player's preference into this. You have to draft the best player available. Now, I, I don't think the Rockets, that's what the Rockets did. The Rockets wanted Jalen Green for a long time, right? Like, we've had leaks for about two weeks now that that's, what they were, that's where they were leaning. And they ultimately obviously did end up selecting him. They believe Jalen Green has the most star upside uh, after Cade Cunningham. So, you know, good on them. They select, they They picked with their gut. But um, if there was ever a case where they were thinking about Mobley and this was a deciding factor, you know, him deciding to work out, I think that would have been a mistake. But this was just not a good look for Mobley. And I really want to get that off my chest. It was um, disappointing because I really like Evan Mobley. Again, like I would have selected him at, at number two. I think he, out of the second tier of players, you know, Mobley, Green, and Suggs. I thought he had the most all-NBA potential. I think all three of those guys had all-star potential. I, had Mo- I think Mobley had the most all-NBA potential out of those three. So that is, this is really a bummer because he's a really talented prospect. And there were already questions about his motor. I didn't really buy into that stuff. But uh, this was not the best look. Uh, I, I, I do hope he succeeds in Cleveland. I just It just really ru- it rubbed me the wrong way how he handled the situation. So let's get to what the Rockets did, shall we? So, the Rockets selected Jalen Green with the second overall pick, and I I thought it was a good pick. You know, like this was a swing for the fences kind of pick. A little bit ballsy, because Mobley had been the projected second overall pick for like six or seven months now, but the Rockets thought Green was their guy. And, you know, I, I do applaud them for being a little brave in that respect, right, zagging On the NBA because I think most of the NBA does have Mobley as the second guy but if they believe Green is their second guy go for it you know pick your guy Um, and I I think I think he does have all-star potential and he's going to be a really prolific scorer in the NBA you know a 20 points per game guy at least Um, he scored really efficiently at at the G League level uh, did it against grown men Uh, you know, I have concerns about, about his game. I've I've said, I've said it before, you know, I'm I'm concerned about the playmaking, the concerns about the defense, but these are areas in his game that he can improve. he can get to an average level defensively and he can get to an average level as a playmaker. Can he become a five assists per game guy in the NBA? Sure. That's, that's very much on the table. It's going to take some work because it's, it's not there instinctually for him. I don't think he'll ever be a great passer or a great defender. But I think he can get to average on those levels, and if he can get to average, you know that's a really really good player. This was a you know a building block kind of plate piece the Rockets acquired six months after losing James Harden. Usually, the turnaround on a star talent is not that quick. Like if you if you guys remember after the Yao and T Mac era ended in Houston, um, there was a long waiting period where the Rockets were a mediocre team and, and just not able to get. You know their star prospect, or you know their the, their next face of the franchise. It took it took a while to, to when until they got James Harden, and there was no there was no gap. here here, right? Like I'm not sure if you know we'll see if Jalen Green is you know that guy, but he's definitely that kind of prospect, right? Uh, so it is um, that's a win. You know, I, I I would have selected any any of Mobley Green or Suggs at number two. They selected Green. I I might have selected Mobley, but I think I think that's a win. You know, you you selected one of the top four guys in this draft, and the top four guys in this draft could be number one in any other draft. That's how talented the top of this draft is. Green could have been number one last year, and nobody would have blinked an eye. So um, I I thought that was a good pick. So at number sixteen. I did not see this coming. I actually thought the Rockets had gone through all their trade-up scenarios and they were just going to select a 23-24. I think that's what most people had got. So it doesn't surprise me that they traded with Oklahoma City because Sam Presti keeps things close to the vest. And so does Rafael Stone. Uh, The Pacers are not exactly that type of organization. They are more leak-prone. So it got out when they were trying to trade up for 13 but they ultimately ended up trading for 13, trading for 16, excuse me, and they picked Alperon Singun. Now, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, you know that uh, after they traded for Singun, I talked about how he was one of my favorite prospects in that draft, and that's true, man. I love Singun. I really love Sangoon. Like, I studied up on this draft because I don't get, normally get the opportunity to study up on drafts. It's just a very cool thing to do. It's a lot of work, but I, I, I wanted to do it because the Rockets had three first-round picks. I don't know if they're going to trade up. I don't know if they're going to trade down. I, I did not think Sengun was going to fall into the lap at 23, but he was definitely one of the prospects that uh, would have been available at 13. And so I was like, you know what? Like I, I, I have to watch all these guys. And the more and more I watch Sengun the more and more I was dumbfounded why he wasn't in the top 10. Like, Sangun is a monster prospect. Uh, I I really, really like him. He's got a great screen and dive game. He's got good hands, good feel for the game. He's got a nice instinct for attacking the basket. Like, he can do more than just picking and rolling and posting up. Like, he's one of those guys where if there's an open lane, uh, you're going to see how explosive he is driving the basket. He had a lot of nice dunks in Turkey. Now, it's worth noting that he did this against Turkish competition. And while that league is very good, third best league in the world, NBA defenders are on a different stratosphere. Much quicker, more likely to keep up with him. Um, He's an 81% free throw shooter. And looking at his form, I'm pretty confident he'll become a good three-point shooter in the NBA eventually. He's also like an instinctual passer. So, like, you'll see... Him finding cutters and shooters when he's in the middle of posting up. Like, it's very Evan Mobley esque. And again, like, the post ups are insane. His bag is incredibly diverse in the post. Um, he's very crafty there. What will ultimately end up defining his NBA career is defense. If he can get to a competent level on that end, the sky's the limit for him. Then you can talk about some of the, that star upside potential that a lot of people see in him. If he doesn't get there, then it might be a little bit difficult for him to play in high-level playoff games because he'll just get played off the floor. <laughs> um, I saw a lot of people commenting uh, on my tweet saying that he's just going to be another en- Enos Cantor, and I don't think that's true. Sangoon is a much better athlete and more agile than- on his feet than Cantor. That doesn't mean he's going to be good on defense, but he's definitely not going to be Cantor bad on defense. And the level of success he had on the pro circuit in Europe... Just leads me to believe that he'll be he'll have a pretty fruitful NBA career at the minimum. Like guys with that level of success in his resume, rarely bust. Like I don't think he'll be a bust. It's hard for me to envision that. He's also put on like twenty pounds or something ridiculous like that. That guy speaks to his work ethic. He's a really hard worker. Guys that are that skilled tend to be crazy hard workers. If I were to comp him, I guess the best comp I can think of is like Kevin Love. And that sounds crazy, right? Kevin Love was a multi-time all-star at his peak. But if he can reach his potential, that's what I see for him. And I guess the que- the next natural question is, how valuable is Kevin Love in the modern game? Because Kevin Love, you know, we never really got to see a chance as to what he could be in the modern game. After 2016, he's been kind of, you know, injury riddled and not gotten the chance to really show how valuable of a player he can be. Uh, obviously... He has a stretch game. And I think Sangoon can have that stretch game. Like, I think... I'm not at all surprised that they trade with Oklahoma City because we had no, no leaks that they were going to make a trade up in this draft uh, in the last 48 hours. And then they went and they traded with Oklahoma City. And that does not surprise me at all because OKC keeps things close to the vest, so nothing leaked. Um, Indiana does not keep keep things close to the vest. So it was very much out there when the Rockets are trying to move up at 13. I think this was their target. You know, Sangoon was supposed to be, well, I I thought he was, I thought he, I think he's a top 10 talent in this draft. It may take him a while before he's consistently attempting like four or five threes a game, but I think he'll get there. And I think he'll shoot around, you know, 36, 37% at least. Uh, Because I think he does have that kind of touch. I think he can be that kind of shooter. You saw him pick and pop some in Turkey, actually. So I see shades of that. And this pick kind of helped me crystallize what Houston's vision is for this rebuild. They're going to take a bunch of swings at stars. Like, this is kind of the modern-day version of the Sergio Yule trade, except Sengun will actually come over. Like, this is something I could have seen Daryl Moore doing 10 years ago. And you kind of see the influence of Maury's thinking on that front office when they do stuff like this i think those two picks that they traded are kind of a mystery box you know the protected washington and detroit picks like they could end up being lottery picks but like you don't know and they're so far out in the future and they could end up being like late first rounders so a top 10 level prospect is going to be worth more than a late first rounder and i actually think In any other draft, Sangoon might have been a top five pick. This episode is brought to you by Jackson Hewitt. This year, there's more at stake with your taxes than ever. Thousands more. New tax credits could mean a bigger refund. And Jackson Hewitt tax pros are here to help you track down every last credit credits for having a baby going back to school caring for a parent and even becoming self-employed get credit for all you do and you could discover thousands of dollars in new tax credits schedule an appointment with a tax pro and learn more at jacksonhewitt.com this draft is just ridiculously stacked up top like again Suggs, green mobley and cade are all number one picks in some other draft and i see sengun as someone who at least is a top 7 pick in any other draft if there was a team i wanted sengun to go to it was a team with like a, an established front court presence so sengun doesn't have that pressure of starting and learning the nba game right away like he there there he still has to first of all learn the language right like he has a he's walking around with the turkish translator right now it's going to take him some time to get adapted to american culture and lang- and the language barrier It's going to take some time for him to get adapted here so that first year or two it's going to be really really tough so it might be wise to have him come off the bench or you know go in the g league for a year or two you know this is a project for houston and i like the idea of christian wood and jay sean tate and you know even garuba soaking up a bunch of minutes in that front court whilst while Sangoon kind of develops in the background and when Houston is ready to make him a centerpiece of the franchise, if he if he ends up becoming that talented, I don't know if he's going to be that talented. But if he does end up being that talented, then then you can move some of these front court players and have him have him be that. But you can be patient with him, and that's what that's what I like about this pick. Like I honestly don't know why Oklahoma City didn't take Sengun. It was it was very strange to me. Like those picks are a mystery box. Like, listen, I understand what Sam Presti's trying to do here. He's one of the best general managers in the game. It's hard to question that there is probably a plan going on, but like at some point you have to take swings on on Star Prospects. I mean, you know, maybe maybe OKC just doesn't view Sangoon as that level of a prospect. It's possible. A lot of people a lot of people don't like Sangoon. Sangoon's a kind of a polarizing prospect. You the level or you hate him. There's a lot of people that have him as a top five prospect in this draft. Uh, which I'm not ready to go that far, but there are people that that are willing to go that far. Kevin Pelton had him ranked number one. I probably have him solidly in that top 10. I thought thought he was a top 10 prospect that fell. But there were people who were scared to take him in the top 20, and Houston was one of those teams that was high on him, and it was apparent because they were trying to trade up into that lottery position for two weeks. That's what we consistently heard. So this is the guy they wanted. This is the guy they targeted. Even Stone said that at his press conference um, the night of the of the draft that this is a guy that they were targeting and they didn't think they would get and they got him. Um, so yeah, I mean I I kind of like what they're doing here. And there's another thing that there's another thing that this pick gives you the flexibility to do. If Houston wants to be competitive next year, I feel like this kind of gives you a free pass to do that. Because you got your lottery talent already this season. You got Jalen Green and you got sangoon two guys that should have been both top 10 picks. And you can go into next season being like, you know what? It doesn't really matter if you don't get a lottery pick this season because we got a lottery pick this season. We got an additional lottery pick at the in the draft this year. And not only did they get that, they got Usman Garuba, who some people had in the lottery. Some people had you know, in the 20s. But Usman Garuba is a guy who is an NBA-level defender that wasn't in the NBA, basically. Like, he is an awesome, awesome defensive prospect. And, again, having four first-round picks in in this draft kind of gives you the flexibility to be like, you know what, we want to go ahead and try and win next season. And by doing that, you kind of boost up the value of these other trade assets. You know, Eric Gordon, John Wall... Christian Wood, Jay Sean Tate, uh, whoever it may be, their values go up in a winning season. That That's typically how this goes. The more you win, the more your value goes up for in trade scenarios. And if Houston is a play-in team this next season, which, you know, it's that's like, can you be a 10th seed? If Houston is like a 10th seed next season, then that means they had a pretty unexpectedly good season. And, Contenders will look at Houston's roster and try to acquire someone like Eric Gordon, someone like Jayshon Tate, you know, and, and give up real first rounders in return for that. So, like, that's kind of the ideal scenario, right? You get to a point to where your attra- your assets get more attractive, and then maybe in 2023, you can go back to losing again. Or, you know, maybe you at that point, you know, players like Jalen Green or Kevin Porter Jr. or... Christian Wood or Sangoon, like by that point, maybe those guys are star talents and they're ready to win already and get to the playoffs. Who knows? But this does give you some flexibility because you don't have to worry about trying to be bad because you got a lottery talent. this. Year. You got two lottery talents this season. This draft also helped crystallize for me what Houston is trying to do as a franchise, what their vision is. So they're taking bites at the apple. you know, Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr. and now Sangoon are all swings at you know star talent, and if one of those guys ends up being a star talent, if one one of those guys can end up being you know a cornerstone of this franchise one day, that's a win. That's a that's a really good hit rate. One out of three in in this NBA is really really good for a hit rate, and if. One of those other guys ends up being a productive player and the other guy, you know, it just doesn't work out. That's fine. You got a productive player and you got a star player out of it. So I think that's what Houston's doing. They're trying to take as many swings as they can. And if they hit, great. That's kind of how Maury and Hinky operated. They find undervalued assets. I think in this draft... Sangoon was an undervalued prospect. I think Kevin Porter Jr. was an undervalued asset. You acquire them, and you see what happens. And I think that's what Houston did here. And I I like the strategy. I really do. It's a little risky. You know, two first-rounders is not cheap. But I guess Houston is betting here that those first-rounders are probably late first-rounders, and OKC is betting that they're lottery First rounders. And I guess we'll see who wins. And even if those picks are lottery first rounders, Houston is taking the additional bet to say that Sangoon is worth more than that. Worth more than two lottery picks. So we'll see what ends up happening there. Uh, I, I do like the Sangoon pick a lot. And I do like the pick they made at 23 a lot. Usman Garuba. Usman Garuba. Is one of the best defensive players in the world outside of the NBA, and a really, really versatile defender. In that you can you can play him one through four, or I'm sorry, probably like two through five. You can play him two through five. Uh, he's pretty weak on the offensive end, right? Like his, his skill set isn't that developed there. Uh, you have to get to a point where he can comfortably shoot, catch, and shoot three pointers. Uh, because I don't think he's big enough to play center in the NBA. Maybe as a backup, but not definitely not as a starter. If he's going to be a starter, he's going to play power forward. He's six eight, good wingspan, and I think he's mobile enough to play power forward. I think center would be kind of a waste of his talent. I'd, I I think he'd be better at that power forward position. And I like pl- pairing him with um Sangoon or Christian Wood. You have a bunch of flexibility there. It's a malleable player, and I think, that, I think that was a good hit. I think he was probably taken too low. I would have probably taken him in the top 18. You know, a lot of people would have taken him in the lottery. And, uh, I think, I think Houston got a good, got good value there. Josh Christopher. So I, I probably would not have taken him at 24. I think you could have got him in the second round. Maybe Houston did try to trade down or acquire a second round pick to acquire to get Christopher. But, um, it's a talent swing, right? This was a top ten high school recruit that did not have the best first college season. And Houston is betting that he is more like that high school prospect than he is that college prospect. It's kinda of like Zaire Williams, right? Picking Zaire Williams at ten is kind of the same kind of bet. Uh instead of take instead of waiting for him to fall to it's, uh, it's the same thing, same principle applied here. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like this top three, and Christopher's kind of a swing. Uh, we'll see how that ends up. This is going to be a really fun summer league team. I can't wait to get out there. It's going to be really fun. It's going to be really, really fun. Uh, I think Houston has a lot of young talent. I You have heard me a lot last year talk about how Houston wasn't really a young team last year. Uh, people kept talking about them like that. They were really a fake young team. They had so many veterans uh, to be considered a young a young team. Like they really only had like two young prospects, you know, Kenyon Martin Jr., Kevin Porter Jr., and that's it. Like everybody else was kind of twenty five years or older, <laughs> and that's not young. Twenty five is, is not old. That's not young? And uh, so they now they actually have legitimate young talent. Like this is four 19 year olds that they're taking into the season uh not all these guys are going to play some of these guys are going to be you know behind the john walls and eric gordon's of the world if eric gordon doesn't get traded that is and some of these guys are going to be behind the christian woods and jay sean tates the world and perhaps they make another signing this summer and that ends up being uh that player ends up taking playing time so like not all these guys are going to play right away. Some of these guys may end up spending some time with the Vipers, and that's fine. Um, there's nothing wrong with playing in the G League. There's no shame in it. If you weren't a top-five pick, like you shouldn't be ashamed about playing in the G League. And it, it, the Rockets have pretty good success in developing players there. So it's going to be interesting to see who cracks the rotation and who doesn't. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of picturing what the lineup is going to be in my head next season. But it, again, it's really tough to tell without knowing what they do in free agency. Uh, we should probably talk about that, though. Free agency. So the Rockets are apparently very interested in signing Daniel Tice this summer. That would probably push back Garuba or Sangoon to the Vipers because there's not going to be playing time with the backup, power forward, and, and center positions. Like One of those players are probably going to have to take a step back and play for the developmental team. Um, I don't know. I, I I honestly don't know why uh, they're 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 not interested in, in Tice. Maybe the idea there is they view Tice as kind of an undervalued asset, and by signing him, they could go ahead and raise his trade value and flip him midseason at the deadline. It's tough, you know. It's usually hard to flip centers, but. If he's an undervalued center, then he'll have value. We'll see. It's tough for me to envision what they're going to do in free agency because they're signing all these rookies. But it will be fascinating to see if they can get at least one player, one established player, that they can flip midseason for an asset because I think that's kind of what Houston's going to be doing for the next couple of summers is sign players, get their value out, trade them to a winner and get an asset back because they're in asset collection mode until they know for sure that they have a star talent on the roster and maybe that'll be next season who knows so yeah um as far as their draft as a whole i'm gonna go ahead and give them an a i think the only thing that would have had me give them an a plus is if they had found a way to get kate cunningham but bearing that they had probably the best draft out of all the teams like i liked charlotte's draft kind of liked Golden State's draft. Obviously, I liked Suggs falling to the Magic. I'm a big Suggs guy. But I think Houston had, as a whole, the best draft of the night. Uh, I'm going to give them an A. Very good. Very good first draft, Rafael Stone. And we will see how these prospects end up developing. But they now have a young nucleus to build around. They now have an influx of young talent. I don't think they should be that worried about Having to get a lottery pick next season, I think that that's that's a big change for me, by the way. I, I was someone who said they should probably try focusing on being bad for the next two seasons, but since they got all this talent, and particularly Singun, I don't think they need to worry about ensuring that they keep a, a lottery pick next season. I don't think it matters as much. But we'll see. It really depends on how good they are, right? <laughs> Some of this is out of their control. So, yeah. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and give me five stars on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. And yeah, guys, good night.